When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings, fans of the esoteric, and welcome to Madame Magenta and the Arcati Killer, Chapter Doobie Doolittle. Yes. So, uh, what happened last time? Quick update. Well, uh, in the last chapter, uh, Sandra, uh, who is your your client, uh, she has just been told by you that her husband is a murderer, in fact. That's right. And uh, she has decided not to tell the police uh, that she knows you so as to not get you in trouble, which is very important. Uh, And uh, she's obviously very, very upset about all this. So you you have just suggested, why don't we have lots of fancy drinks, frozen daiquiris, which would you prefer, strawberry or lime? That's the last sentence. Yes, because then the beginning of this chapter does a little switcheroo thing of places. Terribly clever writing, isn't it? It is, but it's very confusing in audiobook form. Yes. So, so So the previous sentence is... Which would you prefer, strawberry or lime? Yes. Strawberry! Fazir grunted, biting into a fresh doughnut. See, the, it's it's the... It's very clever, isn't he's it? He's having a strawberry doughnut. Yes, yes, but it's like a segue. Yes. The king of fillings. He was in a good mood. Things felt like they were moving forward. Two of his men were on their way to London to plan and execute the kidnapping of Magenta. Not Steve, though, who was clearly thick as shit and a recruitment error on Fazir's part. Last night's nightmare had also been fairly manageable, involving classroom nudity rather than the usual unholy jumble of fiery angel, bloodied finger, internment camp, turbaned hellcat, floating turd imagery. He felt almost rested. In addition to that, Elspeth had come to him regarding the ongoing task he'd assigned her long ago. She'd entered his office that morning with some of her findings, resplendent in long flowing robes, like a wizard clutching several sheaves of paper. Give me the short version. Fazir had said before she'd had a chance to even bid him good morning. She had an academic's tendency to get over-enthusiastic about her research, insisting that the whole could only be understood by close attention to the separate parts. But I really think you'd benefit from... Elspeth had started. No! For the last time, woman, I don't give a thousand hoots for your sociological importance this and culturally significant that. You confound me with too many words. Words, words, words. Just too many of them. Just give me the Wikipedia version. All right, but there's only so far I can condense it. She sniffed. There's an abundance of material on the subject from all over the world. I've been absolutely swimming in it. And this... She shook the papers. ...is as much as it should be boiled down to, quite frankly. It's been far harder than investigating the Angulus Malus ring. Don't! Fazir hissed, glaring at her. Do not mention these things to me. I do not want to hear about that piss-damn ring. You have a new job now. That is all I am interested in. Elspeth flushed and apologised, which Fazir accepted with a grunt. Do a grunt. 
She tried not to mind the way in which Fazir would occasionally speak to her, but despite her efforts, it grated. Elspeth felt she deserved more reverence. She was far more intelligent than Fazir by some stretch, and she'd been with the family for over 30 years. She'd originally worked for Fazir's brother in his quest to communicate with and control the creatures of heaven, which had been quite the task. After years of research and exploration that had taken her to the farthest corners of the world, the quest had ended in his death, just when they had finally secured a ring infused with divine power. Just before his untimely demise, suddenly distrusting all but his personal security officer, Derek, he'd placed the ring in a Swiss security box. Besides Ali, his brother, only Derek had access. But before Fazir could get to him, Derek had also abruptly died. There seemed to be an element of bad luck attached to this sort of business. The security box and the ring had finally ended up, 20 years later, in the hands of the deceased Derek's wife, an Englishwoman named Magenta. Fazir had travelled to London to retrieve the ring. Look, just listen to the first podcast, will you? It's, it's all there. The thing is... While Fazir had certainly been very, very interested in securing the ring and subsequently talking to and commanding the armies of heaven, he wasn't that fussed about it. It wasn't his dream, you see. It was his brother's dream. His desires were of a more humble flavour, truth be told. A child's dream, in fact. Fazir looked over to the hamster cage at the end of his mighty oak desk. The little thing was lying peacefully on its side in the straw. He'd love to know what it was thinking right now, and indeed what it had been thinking yesterday when it had sunk its sharp little teeth into his hand right down to the bone and then hung on for 20 minutes while he slammed it in a doorframe until it let go. <sighs> Vizier fingered the bandage and winced. Elspeth placed her research onto his desk. I'll leave this here in case you want to have a look at it in more detail later. She said with an attempt at a conspiratorial smile, as if Fazir was still a friendless 12-year-old hanging around her study in the hope of borrowing weird books and sexy lithographs. Fazir sighed and put the papers in a desk drawer before waving her on with his hand. She'd cleared her throat, which was what people do before they say something important, and begun. As you know, Fazir, almost every culture has a multitude of myths and legends about animals and man's relationship with them. Unfortunately, the civilizations and communities with an animist tradition tend to be the least likely to have kept written records, which doesn't help our search. Elspeth paused and looked up from her notebook. But of course, that won't matter if this magenta woman is as powerful as you say she is. Fazir grunted again. He didn't know exactly how powerful she was, but he couldn't shake the certainty that she'd somehow engineered that horrific debacle in the airport with the angel. Debacle? Debacle. <laughs> debacle, I think is debacle. how you Debacle. <laughs> that horrific debacle in the airport with the angel. If he was correct, then she was one of the most powerful occultists currently operating. Such powers inevitably involved a relationship with creatures beyond the veil. If he could utilise these relationships and manipulate her powers, then he was one step closer to realising his boyhood dream. And if that came with a side helping of revenge, well... Elspeth continued. So, recently, I've been focusing on the Twitchin, who are a First Nation of Canada and an Alaskan native Athabascan people of the Athabascan-speaking ethno-linguistic group. 
Elspeth. Vizier growled in warning. Sorry. So, in ancient times, the whole tribe was said to have been able to communicate with animals as a consequence of their profound relationship with the natural world. They believed that a spark of divinity resides in all living things, and that if you tapped into the pure spirit within yourself, you could reach out to the spirit in animals, and even plants, rocks, and rivers. However, this connection also relied upon the tribe's shaman, who enacted certain rituals and used powerful charms to help maintain his tribe's connection with nature. Fazir had been listening thoughtfully, a crease between his thick, heavy brows. I respect the animals, he grunted, glancing at the hamster who was still just about alive. Yes, of, of course you do. Elspeth lied, aware that Fazir's vast wealth was a consequence of oil production and therefore not particularly respectful of the natural world. Not that she'd ever point that out. He paid the wages that funded her research, after all. Ahem. Elspeth cleared her throat delicately. It seems to me that we should mainly focus on the shaman's role. As we've found in the past, great mystics of ancient times often channeled their powers into objects over the course of several generations. The Twitchin would almost certainly have possessed such items, possibly hiding them when the Anglican missionaries arrived and started interfering with local beliefs and practices. So all we need to do is find one of these objects. But like I said, there's absolutely nothing written down from ancient Twitchin times, and I haven't been able to find any modern records that suggest a Twitchin artifact has been bought or sold. Consequently, I've no idea where we'd start to look for one. But all is not lost. We need to talk to those who know. The angels would know. But they probably wouldn't tell us, whereas demons tend to be more loose-lipped or so I understand but only in exchange for something. Fazir looked searchingly at Elspeth, who didn't seem particularly perturbed by the notion of bargaining with devils for information. Not our problem, said Elspeth briskly. The medium, Magenta, would be the one bargaining with it, so we wouldn't get involved in any deals. She'd be the one in the firing range. Elspeth paused briefly and frowned, and Fazir wondered if her conscience had raised its head but we'd be close enough to watch it unfold. She continued, eyes wide. And I reckon it'd be absolutely fascinating. Goodness, a lot of Elspeth lisping yes, away, was there? Yes, it's quite hard to do that voice. Yeah, well, you did a tremendous job, Bernard. It's a little well, bit like Drew Barrymore, <laughs> that accent. It is a bit, isn't it? Like a posh English Drew Barrymore. Yes. If you just do it a little more like this. Then you've got a Drew Barrymore. Well, that's something to picture, isn't it? Yes, yes, she looks like she could be played by Drew Barrymore. Yes. Uh, Shall we do another one? That's probably enough, isn't it? It probably is enough, yes. All right, come back next week for more of Madame Magenta and the Arcati Killer. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. I'm Jonathan Pezza, the creator of the Curious Matter Anthology. And I'm betting you've probably never heard anything like our show.
We adapt stories from authors like Philip K. Dick, Andre Norton, and Robert Block into binaural audio movies that transport you to new worlds. That's it? You're banned for life? What's between Braxians and Seriously? I told you downtown was a bad idea. In our brand new season, we explore farther into the what-ifs. You think, in these instances, that somehow simply by believing things are different, they changed. Doubt. I don't follow. I doubt something, and um, they don't change, per se. They cease to ever have been. We delve deeper into the realms of horror and science fiction. Nerves of steel, boys. James, sir, please. There is no need for this. I do not believe that whatever that is can understand you. Robert, I know you are in there somewhere. If you are, we are... Available wherever you listen to podcasts. So sit back, grab your popcorn, and listen to the Curious Matter Anthology today.